This is Jordan McIntosh, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Caleb Trainer Swift and scores. What you're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside. Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Pro Lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk presented by Fanatics. Reminder to visit prolacrossetalk.com slash shop or prolacrossetalk.com slash nllshop-ca for your official NLL team gear. I'm your host, Hutton Jackson, joined by my co-host, Adam Moore, as always. Welcome to all who are listening on Spotify and those who are actually watching on Spotify or YouTube as well. Adam, last week we had a big PLL trade. This week we've gotten some more PLL player movement, uh, specifically the Chrome Waterdogs and Redwoods making some moves. Uh, those were the only three teams as of Monday. Uh, we also had a big move by the Whip Snakes earlier as well that we'll get to. But what was your favorite move so far, Adam, of this PLL signing window? Yeah, man. I think uh, listeners of the pod uh, know very well that I'm a big fan of Charlie Kitchen. Um, really, really excited that Coach Copeland uh, added him to the Waterdogs roster heading in. Uh, to this summer's training camp. Uh, he's a phenomenal player, done really well in the NLL. Obviously, it was a high pick there, uh, doing really well for the Albany Firewolves at the moment. So uh, really excited uh, to see him suit up. And I know you're really excited about some of the other moves as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, just to go off Charlie Kitchen, I was surprised he wasn't drafted last year, you yep. know, maybe a fourth round pick. Um, you know, again, and there's only four rounds in the PLL draft, but nice to see him land on a roster. And yeah, we, we can't go without talking about this arms race, Canadian arms race between Andy Copeland and Andy Towers, uh, the, both Andy coaches in the PLL trying to add some Canadian talent. So in addition to kitchen, they add Reed Bowering. He has 51 loose balls right now in the NLL, which is second uh, of all players right now, currently, despite being a rookie. Um, he plays defense for the Warriors, played attack at Drexel. So talk about versatility. Uh, they list him as attack. I'm reckoning he's going to play more uh, two-way midi. You know, they could get him some runs at short stick defensive midi as well as run from the midfield. Um, I think that's the most likely spot for him. And then they also added Matt Hasek, obviously Graham Hasek's brother, uh, playing really well for the Panther City uh, team right now, was with the rush pri- prior to that. Um, so he is also versatile, listed him as LSM. He can also go short stick defensive midi. So, you know, Andy Copeland and some Canadians, you know, don't sleep on the water dogs, Canadian talent. They have a good amount as well. I'm really excited to, to see Reed suit up as well. Obviously super dominant, helped Drexel win a CAA championship. Uh, his senior year was most outstanding player of the game in that championship. So not only uh, is coach Copeland bringing on some Canadians, he's bringing on a couple CAA guys in, in, uh, in Bowery and uh, Charlie kitchen. Yeah. So they make three moves and the water dogs weren't actually the most active team. The Chrome were, they dropped Eric Rubach and Donnie Moss to the player pool. Um, they moved Greg Wild to the holdout list. Um, and in addition to that, they made some moves by picking up some players. They added Jeff Henrik, at long stick midi, um, obviously playing for the Swarm this year, standout at Ohio State, as well as Pat Islanian, who had a great MLL bubble for the Outlaws. Uh, Chris Islanian's brother, really strong short stick defensive midi. So he's joining uh, Will Haas and Ryan Cherifanko in a really scary, formidable short stick defensive midi group. And they had Kyle Gallagher from the player pool at faceoff to give them another option. Um, not surprised there. We thought he would get picked up after the chaos dropped him to the player pool. 
you know, presumably to make some, some roster, uh, open up some roster spots for them. But yeah, I think, you know, Gallagher might actually compete for some time. Connor Farrell didn't play super well last year on his own, did really, really well his first year in 2019 when he had Drew Simino uh, with him, you know, it shows sometimes it helps to have, you know, kind of a change of pace guy. Um, and Gallagher, you know, did decent uh, for the chaos last year. I think it took him a little bit of a while to adjust, but I think that's a good move. And we saw that Tim Sudan almost drafted uh, TD Erlen, you know, at three, which I'm sure he probably wishes he d- did, you know, now that they're getting JT Giles Harris back, he probably doesn't feel too bad about drafting him at three, but they didn't get him at all last year. So he wasn't shy in, you know, revealing that he was looking towards the faceoff position, even towards last year's draft. So I think that'll be a good move for them. Not surprised that it, uh, Kyle Gallagher got picked up. I was, you know, more surprised actually that I, I could have seen maybe the cannons try to get him involved in that Andrew Q for Caro trade. You know, they are definitely need some help at face off. Um, I don't think they're going to go into uh, this summer with just Reisman and Brendan Fowler. You know, I'd be surprised if they do. Um, I think they needed another guy um, there as well. So I don't know where they're going to target if it's in the draft or, you know, free agency, but that's another, um, you know, position hole that I think they need to fill. But uh, yeah, those were the moves. Um, another Waterdogs move, they, Michael Krause has also been added to the holdout list. And probably the biggest one so far of the offseason, um, you could even argue over the trade, was the fact that Ty Warner is now back on the Whip Snakes. He's been moved from the holdout list to their active roster. Missed last year due to Harvard Medical School that he's attending. So it looks like he's going to be able to play. And, um, you know, I think he's indisputably right now one of the top shortstop defensive middies, if not the best shortstop defensive midi. Um, I know our friend Jake Watts, calls him the best defender um, just because you can leave him on an Island and he's almost like another pole out there uh, for this whip snakes team. So big ad for that. Um, I think, you know, that might be the most impactful, um, you know, so far, but I'm really excited to see some of this young Canadian talent and American talent uh, coming, you know, into the league. Um, And we, the one Canadian we haven't mentioned that we interviewed a few weeks ago is Clark Peterson back on the Redwoods. That was the one move they made. And I don't know if this was, to kind of make sure the Atlas don't get him. I think he played really, really well for the Redwoods, uh, you know, in his short stint in 2019 and during the bubble. So big to have him. I don't know what that means for the other righty on their team and Ryan Lee, you know, I know he didn't get to play as much towards the end of the season, battling some injuries, then wasn't active. So, you know, maybe he might be on the move headed to the player pool or, you know, you know, not rolling out any trades either, but I think player pool is more likely, but um, I do like, the addition of Clark Peterson playing really well for the Thunderbirds. If he's given a good solid shot in the pros pro field, I think he's going to, you know, make the most of it. He's already has in the short stints that he has had, you know, sometimes just, you know, with these eight teams, there's limited roster spots. So I think that's why he was a roster casualty for the Cannons last year after getting drafted on the expansion draft. But any other thoughts on this PLO off season so far, a lot more moves than I really expected, but I think there's still going to probably be some coming as, signings happen because these coaches have to, you know, allocate a certain amount of salary. And I think there's going to be some tough conversations, tough decisions made with players not feeling like they're getting their worth. But uh, what are your thoughts so far on this PLO off season? It's been great so far. It's just, it's the action we've been looking for for so long, right. When it comes to professional lacrosse. So um, some of the biggest um, news comes in the off season for, for other sports, right. And uh, we want to make sure that this sport progresses and, and grows and uh, lax Twitter was a buzz when these moves happened. And um, I'm excited to, to see uh, what other moves uh, are in store as the, the off season progresses, but as a sport uh, continues uh, to grow, this is a, uh, a major part of it. I'm excited to see uh, what the rest of the all season brings. Yeah, no. And, you know, we mentioned the Chrome. I still think they might have some moves to make too. You know, we, we have the return of Randy Stotts. Uh, they had Dylan Malloy on the roster last year. So those are two guys that are on that righty spot. I don't know if you hold on to both of them. Obviously I, I lean towards, you know, keeping Randy Stotts, but still think Dylan Malloy can play in this league. Um, and then what do they kind of do on the lefty side? Could also solidify a little bit there. Ryan Tierney is a, a name that I think people should watch out for because for teams that need a lefty, he was the guy who I said they probably should have traded for when they made the Gutterden trade. Um, you know, but maybe Coach uh, Stagnito wants to hold on to Tierney. Didn't have a great season last year. Obviously, very talented young attackman, but um, he's a guy that maybe you put on people's radars right now if he ends up going into the player pool. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot more moves. I think. There might be some shockers towards the end as these signings are getting down to the wire and 
coaches are going to have to make some tough decisions and players are going to have to make sure, you know, they're getting what they're worth, but that's where it gets tricky. You know, do you see players moved or dropped because they're not willing to take a pay cut, you know? So um, it's going to be interesting for sure. I, I think we're in for some more, more uh, PLL drama, but I mentioned the Chrome making a lot of moves. Uh, staple of the Chrome has been Jordan McIntosh. I was lucky enough to get to talk to him earlier this week. So let's toss our interview with Jordan McIntosh. Today on Pro Lacrosse Talk, I'm lucky to be joined by Jordan McIntosh, transition player with the Georgia Swarm and midfielder with the Chrome Lacrosse Club. Jordan, thanks for joining me today. No problem, hon. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you as well. I appreciate you hopping on. Now we're recording this after a big Swarm win uh, that saw you record three points. You were one of 10 different goal scorers for the Swarm, uh, despite having multiple people on COVID protocol. Talk about this big win in Rochester. Yeah, it was definitely a huge for us. We had... um you know, had lost our previous two to Buffalo and to Philly in two games that I thought we, um, despite the result, um, took some good strides defensively and with Pooley in the cage. Um, we're still kind of figuring out that offensive chemistry. And so there were two games that we felt like we, we put a pretty good product on the floor, just not a full 60 minutes. And we're really hoping to, you know, we were really excited early in the week to, to go into Rochester and kind of put it all together. And then it was like one after another in our group chat of guys testing positive. I think by the end of the week, we had eight or nine guys that were out on the COVID protocol list from, you know, uh, some of our, our, you know, youngest guys all the way up to like guys like Shane Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be very honest with you, Thursday was a little bit of a scramble to like find people that were going to be on the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, luckily we, you know, through connections, people that were at training camp with us, people that we've played with in the past, we were able to put together a squad that I think um, was, you know, a bunch of NLL guys, um, whether it was their first game or their, you know, hundredth. And then, yeah, the game was, the game was perfectly executed. I think, you know, Rochester had the misfortune of having some COVID protocol issues as well. And they had a, a quite a sizable break from their last game. And that was something we wanted to try and exploit early by, you know, coming out really fast. And, you know, we did that. We scored, I think, 45 seconds in and then 10 seconds later to kind of put them on their heels early and then, you know, executed on, on the most important things for us because we're so young and we have a lot of new players on the team. Uh, we've been really preaching, kind of figuring out that identity. And uh, our, our thing is right now is just we, we've got to be, you know, just kind of a pain to play against because we're scrappy on loose balls. Uh, we're not going to give up um, despite the run that the other team might go on we're, we're always going to kind of punch back and we've been doing that the last couple of weeks no that's awesome and you know rochester is kind of a little bit of a homecoming for you every time you play there having played at rit two seasons during your college career i'll talk about your time playing for the tigers yeah it was awesome i was very very fortunate to transfer there my junior year and play with some of my best friends growing up and um i was there for the very first year of coach goon and coach wilkins um, so when they first started at RIT, that was, it was 2009 or 10, I believe. Uh, and so I was really lucky to play for those guys um, right at the start of kind of their their career and the dynasty that they've built at RIT. Um, and we had some great players on the team, a lot of guys that are still playing in the NLL and uh, and the PLL. So, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and uh, I'm so happy to see how far that program has come in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, no, and that kind of leads to my next question. What are your thoughts on seeing them win the national championship? Uh, I'm sure you guys were excited. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of emotion that day. Um, you know, we, we have come so close and, uh, you know, my, my years there was two final four losses um, to Tufts. And then, you know, I think we had played in two or three national championships um, since I graduated in 2011 and we were just kind of always knocking on the door and mm. get to the big game and lose to some of the horses like a Salisbury or a Stevenson Tufts. Um, so to see them win and then win in like true RIT fashion, uh, you know, shootout, uh, you know, there is no such thing as pulling the ball out, just run and gun type of play. It's why if you look around the NLL, there's so many guys that come out of that program that translate really well to the NLL because the way that coach Wilkie and coach Coon run the team is very much you know run and gun like let's let's play fast let's let's make quick decisions and it's a really fun way to play field across and then it also is a way that really translates into pll and nll games but 
that was uh that was an emotional day i was at tra training camp for the pll eli salam and i were watching our locker room i think half the team thought we were nuts but we were screaming and hugging and yeah it was an exciting day no that's awesome i think ryan lee we had on last week also mentioned like uh he was obviously tuned in as well and uh, yeah it was a special moment for you guys um getting to see uh you know your alum uh, as an alum watching them to hoist that trophy um, so after your time at ROT, you were drafted by the Minnesota Swarm fourth overall in the 2011 NLL entry draft. You became the first Swarm rookie to surpass 50 points since 2008 after recording 51 in 16 games. What was the adjustment like, you know, making the jump to the pros? Um, and what do you kind of attribute a lot of your rookie success to? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, in terms of attributing my success, uh, I got to play a, a couple or uh, a year of senior A before the NLL which mm -hmm. really, really helped me. Uh, I was drafted to the Ajax Pickering Rock in the MSL, which was a, you know, a team that was, you know, on the, on the lower end of the standings, not a lot of NLL talent. If you, if you ever watch some of those MSL games back in Ontario in the summer, it's NLL players everywhere. We were one of the few teams that had no NLL players. So I got to go into that team and really play everywhere right out of the mm -hmm. gates. I was on the penalty kill on the power play on uh, you know, I played a little offense, a little defense, and it was awesome because every night we were playing against pretty much NLL rosters and I was getting to kind of test myself on both ends of the floor against the best players in the world. And that really helped me when I went to the swarm right out of the gates, being able to kind of play both ends of the floor. Um, and then also, you know, feeling like I was, I was caught up a little bit to the speed of the NLL. Obviously it's a little bit faster. And then really when I started, I had great teammates. I had a really, really strong core of veterans around me. And, um, and that really helped me early on in my career. No, awesome. And then you guys eventually, you know, you got moved down to Georgia and won that championship in 2017, a couple of seasons after making the move down to Georgia. Uh, what was it like getting to host that NLL trophy? Uh, that was, that was a very, you know, my wife would kill me, but that, that, okay. That was like my, my second best day ever. <laughs> it was, um, it was amazing. It was, it was a, a culmination of a, a lot of years of, of ups and downs and changes. Uh, you know, I've been with the team since 2011. Um, through that time, you know, John's made uh, a lot of moves to, to kind of build for the future. Um, and so with that, anytime you're kind of building for the future, there's going to be obviously years where things don't go your way. And we definitely had a couple of those, but stuck with it, believed in kind of his vision. And then you started to see all of the, the fruits of his labor come come to be when we started to get guys like Shane in and Lyle and uh, Brian Cole and so many guys that that he drafted over the years that all started to uh, to really kind of play to their potential and that year was just so special our offense was I don't know I don't know if it's still but probably you know from a from a production perspective one of the best offenses in NLL history they were insane to watch they would <laughs> score so many goals and uh, the way that we won was obviously very memorable uh, mm -hmm. with, the, with the overtime goal for Miles. So it was, a, it was an amazing experience, and I was really fortunate to be a part of that team. That's great. And then fast forward now to 2022. We touched on it a little bit, but you guys have a big three-game home stretch coming up, beginning on January 29th. You get another uh, you know, grudge match against this Wings team. Uh, what's the vibe like currently in the locker room? Yeah, it's good. I think, you know, we came into this year understanding that, uh, you know, from a leadership and from a veteran perspective, we were going to have to, um, you know, uh, not, not change, but really, you know, the, the leadership qualities of us that we're going to have to really stand out. We have a lot of new players to the, to the team um, from the last time we stepped on the floor in 2019, you know, a lot of new guys on offense, a lot of new guys on D. And we knew early on that kind of looking at those first four or five games, it was going to be about, you know, building the chemistry, figuring out who we are, what our identity is. And I feel we kind of feel like we're getting to a place now where we, we know who we are. We know what's going to make us successful if we're going to have success this year. And uh, yeah, so feeling good going into the weekend, obviously uh, with Philly, we've had some amazing battles with them over the last mm -hmm four or five games every game feels like it goes right down to the last goal or overtime and I don't expect that to be any different this weekend so we're looking forward to it and getting back home it's been a long a long road trip for the last uh, couple of weeks here you know it'll be great to for you guys to you know have some games at home in front of this Georgia crowd now I want to flip on the other side now to pro field lacrosse obviously you spent most of your career with a lot of the same guys as a member of both the Rochester Rattlers and the Chrome um, now in the PLL uh, you played under coach 
Tim Sudan now for two stints as well. Talk about the camaraderie between this Chrome team. I feel like you guys are one of the most close-knit uh, groups in the PLL. Um, and that's saying a lot because a lot of these teams are pretty close-knit. But talk about, you know, playing with a bunch of the same guys over the years during uh, pro field lacrosse. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was very lucky to land on the Rattlers back in the day. I think um, my first year was 2012. Um, you know, obviously coming D3, didn't get drafted or anything. And kind of bounced around on the Hamilton Nationals practice roster for a while. And then Sudo gave me a chance in 2012, I remember. And uh, I was lucky to play pretty good the first game and he stuck with me ever since. Um, I think in professional lacrosse, it's it's weird. You're not, it's not like college. You're not there and with each other every single day and practicing and going to eat together and doing all that stuff. Um, the teams that are successful, they get along fantastically off the off the uh off the field off the floor they're excited to see each other every single week and that translates into the chemistry on the floor and yeah for some reason with us it just kind of clicked like uh you know most of those guys we always say like you know we've been teammates for a long time but i mean there's there's not a world and where 20 years from now we're all not you know going to see each other at someone's house and seeing these each other's families and um the, the relationships we built are a lot further than the field. And I think that's, uh, that's why we stuck together so long. Um, obviously this year is going to be a little weird without Joel and John there, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really special group of guys that I think that the reason we've got along so well is we're all pretty like-minded, very, very uh, we before me mentality when it comes to playing um, really, you know, focused on, on the task and the team. And uh, unfortunately, we're never, we haven't been able to kind of put it all together yet, but mm -hmm. that's uh, my last big, big goal outside of winning more in all championships is to, to win a ring with some of those guys in the PLL. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, John Galloway and Joel White. Fortunately, you still get to play with Joel a little bit on the Swarm. Um, yeah. But talk about, you know, their impact to this Chrome team. And even though they won't be rejoining you guys uh, this upcoming season, how have they kind of laid the groundwork for this Chrome team in this PLL iteration? Yeah, I mean they're they're the OGs, uh, those two and Michael Michael Manley. Um, mm -hmm. They were the first three on the Rattlers in 2011, and they they kind of started this whole thing. Um, you know, guys like myself and Randy and Wolfie, uh, Nedzo, like you know we jo we joined after, and uh, yeah. So I think what's interesting about um, the PLL is it hasn't gone our way. I mean we haven't been very good. That's not a secret. Uh, we had a good year in the bubble. Uh, last year was a struggle with, you know, losing so many key guys early in the year and just trying mm -hmm. to figure out the roster. And then our first year, plainly, we, we stunk. Um, the thing that's been interesting, though, is a lot of the people that we're bringing onto the team, the young guys, uh, really excited to be a part of the Chrome, which is which is amazing. Um, you know, typically when you have a, a struggle during a season, it's uh, you know, are we, is this the right group? But I think the culture that John and Joel have helped build, um, make this a desirable team to play for people want to be a part of that, that culture and family. And so, you know, I've been talking to some of the young guys over the break and they're so excited to get back and, um, really, really looking forward to like what we can do as we go into next year. And that's a huge testament to the, the foundation that those two laid. Absolutely. And, you know, you've, played through three heartbreaking MLL championships with the Rattlers. So sorry to bring up old wounds there. And then obviously you, you mentioned the championship series, you guys played really, really well. And unfortunately, you know, we're able, we're bounced by the um, chaos in that opening round. Um, so how does that motivate you guys going into 2022 um, to you kind of make this your year um, that the Chrome kind of, you know, really put it all together? Yeah. I mean, I, at this point, I don't think we need motivation. Uh, we're all, really ultra competitive that's why we're still playing mm -hmm. and you know anytime you're at the bottom of the standings and you know only only registering two wins in a year hopefully you don't need much more motivation than that um so yeah I, I think we're coming in really hungry i think we're we're coming in really healthy as of right now which i'm excited about most of our guys that got dinged up last year are on the mend that should be feeling good for the start of the season um and i i think that's that's the key in, in any of these leagues is if you, if you can have roster continuity um, there's a high probability that your, your team is going to be good and you're going to mm -hmm. have chances to win championships. Or if you look at like teams in the PLL that have had success um, the whip snakes, you know, it's basically a large number of college guys that have been 
have stuck together. That roster really hasn't changed over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Even the chaos, um, right? There, a lot of guys that play together in indoor and outdoor, same mm-hmm. group that's been together for multiple years. If you can build a core of 10 to 15 guys that are playing together year in and year out, that's when you start to see real success in the, in the pro outdoor leagues and indoor leagues. So uh, we're hoping to get back to that and not have, um, you know, so many new pieces added every single week because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no injuries. Definitely. I don't think any team was definitely hit harder, and especially early on in the season, losing Randy before the season started losing, um, you know, Jordan Wolf, you know, in the first game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely think I'm looking forward to a healthier Chrome this uh, upcoming season. We'll move on now to our five and five segment. I'll ask you five quick hitters on the lacrosse field and five off the field. Um, and the first one I like to always ask is, do you have any pregame routines or superstitions? Um, routines, uh, we are, are old guys now on the forum, which is a weird thing for me to say, cause, uh, you know, I, I don't think of myself as old, but I guess I am now. So that's Pooley, uh, Mike Poolin, Jordan Hall, uh, Joel and myself, the 30 plus club. Uh, we, we always go to uh, Starbucks or go get grab coffee. We like to get to the rink really early that group, like, like true old guys do. Um, so yeah, we like go grab coffee and, uh, you know, rotate who pays for it. And that's always just kind of our time to our last little joking around time before we get serious for the game. So I really enjoy that. Other than that, it's just, I like to retake my sticks before every game and, uh, and then start to think about, you know, like a lot of my job pregame is, is, you know, getting, making sure that we're ready, making sure that, you know, when I'm speaking to the team, I'm hitting on the right messages that are going to resonate. And so it's just kind of feeling the energy in the locker room. If we're up, if we're down, if we're overexcited, underexcited, and then, you know, translating that into some of the things I'm, I'm speaking to the team about for the game. So not, not too much, nothing too exciting there. No, it's good though. You, we hear a lot of those same stories, uh, the veterans, you know, kind of coming together, whether it's getting coffee or yeah. letting loose a little bit before uh, you kind of get serious and down to business. Um, number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? And that can be field or, uh, or box and can be, you know, college or pro as well. Okay. Um, I'll do two here. So favorite outdoor venue, um, just because I have great memories from it, was uh, is Dick's Sporting Good Park in um, in Denver, uh, mm-hmm. where we played the 2014 World Championship game, and it was a really great crowd. It's a cool venue, and uh, we won. So yeah, I have uh, I have good memories from that field, and that was a, that was an awesome spot. Um, indoor, there's there's most pretty much any rink where you have you know at least. 10,000 people in it is awesome to play in. Like we obviously we just played in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. It's a Friday night. It was a relatively small crowd by Buffalo standards. And it's just so much energy pulsing into that arena. It makes it a really exciting place to play. So not really any, an NLL arena with 10,000 people home or away is always, uh, always a great place to play. Yeah, no, Buffalo's definitely uh, up there for a lot of uh, players and as well as, you know, a lot of box venues. And again, like you said, the energy is usually there because it's a little bit different being in an arena than it is on the field for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, what is your current stick set up in terms of head shaft and stringing? Yeah, so I use a, I'm using true lacrosse stuff uh, this season. So true temper sports and uh, I use the hazardous head, which I really, really like. Um, this year, I'm, I'm definitely playing a little bit all over the place. Um, so I'm playing some offensive D, some short mm-hmm. man, some power, taking faceoffs. So I, I, I kind of need a stick to, to do everything. Um, and uh, that one's been really good for me. Um, I string it with, um, I think it's STX mesh. Yeah, it is. STX, uh, like semi-hard mesh. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget, the, they probably have a fancy name for it, but the guys at STX, I use SDX stuff in, in PLL and uh, that mesh is perfect. And then I use a true hazardous shaft as well, um, the, the medium weight one, so it doesn't break if you're cross-checking on D. Outdoor, <laughs> I use a, outdoor, I use a, a stallion, a STX stallion, and I use a uh, just like a side tie shaft, um, but I love that stallion head. I started using it three years ago. It's probably one of my favorite heads I've ever used. And, um, yeah, I, I string pretty, I string all my own sticks, um, pretty medium high pocket four shooters, um, something that's going to get the ball out nice and quick. Um, mm-hmm. but if I 
pick up a loose ball in the corner I can get out of there because I got a little bit of a little bit of a bag in it but yeah <laughs> I uh I like stringing my own sticks and I, I use probably I probably restring them every two games or so gotcha interesting yeah it's always interesting to see who uh strings their own sticks and who you know get someone else strong um I always Biggest. tried to string my own sticks and was never good at it. I had a guy on my team that was much better than me but it is cool this and is- neat thing to the sport this is a contentious issue with me. I, I, <laughs> I can't understand how people like, especially in the professional level, like Joel is a perfect example. And you know what? I don't care if he gets mad about this. He doesn't know how to string his own sticks. Joel is 32 years old. And like he, he's sitting there waiting for me to string his stick. It's not because he doesn't know how he's never tried. And so like that would give me terrible anxiety if like I was going into a game and I had a shooting string that was untied and I didn't know what to do with it or whatever. So if you're a kid playing lacrosse in the winter, string your own, figure out how to string your own sticks. Like it's so, it's so, so important and you'll get better with it over time, but at least knowing how to fix things on your stick, if you know, before a big game or practice, a sidewall breaks, how to quickly put that in. John and Joel are the two worst at it. Galloway stick breaks every freaking warm up. The bottom string rips or something because he doesn't look at it before. And uh, five minutes before the game, I'm sitting there trying to fix his stick so that, and it's, you know, our starting goalie, if there's a hole in the stick, it's a goal against. So it's a stressful job to be a stringer. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah, I agree. You know, it is great to learn because that's kind of how I learned is like, you know, I was getting, when I was younger, getting these factory strung sticks and it's like, okay, this isn't working. How do I need to tweak it? You know, restring it myself. So like I said, I wasn't very good at it, but I at least knew how to fix it if I needed to. I'm definitely not sending my sticks whenever I do pick up to my buddy now from college. Good. So definitely got to know how to at least That's tweak good. it a little bit. <laughs> there is literally no excuse now. I mean, there's probably 10,000 tutorials on YouTube of how to string a stick. I remember I learned through, STX used to sell uh, mesh kits mm-hmm. and they just had in there like how to string a stick, like a pamphlet, like a three pager. Like it was mm-hmm. like Ikea yep. instructions. It was so bad. And you just, you know, you figured it out after a while. But if you're a kid, learn how to string your own sticks. Very important. I like that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, number four, who's a lacrosse player you looked up to when you were younger or has been a mentor to you during your career? My favorite, my favorite player, I've said this a couple of times, um, it, all from one game and then eventually evolving his career has always been John Grant. Um, it was the 2000, just 2000 or 2001 NLL championship in Toronto, Rochester versus Toronto. I was at that game. It's probably junior's first or second year in the league. He's very young. Uh, and he, he did things in that game that I had never seen on a lacrosse floor before um, mm-hmm. behind the back shot with like four people on him. He tied the game on this ridiculous, like diving shot late in the game. And ever since I game, I, I tried to watch him anytime I could. And uh, he was obviously during his NLL and MLL careers was a wizard with a stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as I kind of got older and more into playing uh, transition, uh, Brody was someone I always looked up to. And I'm fortunate to have a good friendship with him now. Um, uh, you know, you learn a lot from the way he plays, but also everything off the floor from the way he leads and, um, and the way he, the way he trains and treats his body, I was, I, I got to spend some time at the Hill Academy and worked there for a year and mm-hmm. you know, hung out with Patrick and Brody a lot. And uh, just the way that they trained and ate, it really made a huge impact on me in my career and, you know, putting down the, the pizza for lunch and starting mm-hmm. to, to take it a little more seriously. So those, uh, those are probably two. And then the, the last one I would say is Dan Dawson from my hometown. He's from Oakville, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he's done in his career is incredible and one of the best leaders I've ever spoken to. So those three, I'd say. Yeah, no, and him and Brody still doing it. It's crazy. And John Grant Jr., not too far removed either yeah. from still playing. Um, yeah. my, my next question, I'm curious, is one of these three is your answer, but if they made a lacrosse video game, who would you say deserves to be on the cover? Oh, and it, are we going old school, like legends? Like the old school, like new current, school, current... field box kind of open-ended uh, all right so if it's current state it would be lyle um and it, it should be lyle i think lyle's the best lacrosse player in the world currently i don't think there's i mean you could make case for other players but uh, i get to play with lyle what he does outside of just scoring points is absolutely insane he's he's the most complete lacrosse player i think i've ever uh played with so it would be him today 
Uh, ooh, legends. There's no good way to answer that without <laughs> pissing someone off. Uh, if you put Gary on there, I would go. I would go maybe Gary and Paul. Gotcha. Yeah. Put them both on there. That's a good. Great, that's a good great cover. answer. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Um, now moving on to off the field, off the floor. Who is a player in another sport that you enjoy watching? Hmm. So I don't, I don't, I live, I live in Boston. I don't, I don't watch a ton of hockey. I don't watch a ton of basketball. Say my fate, like my only appointment viewing sports that I watch, I watch F1. I love F1. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do watch football. Um, it's hard. It's hard being from here to not watch Tom Brady and be like, how the heck does this guy do this? I mean, even yesterday it was like, what is going on? So yeah. he's probably one athlete that when he's on in big games, you want to watch because he, his clutch gene is just ridiculous. So that'd be probably him. Yeah. It's another guy that's doing it at, you know, over 40 level. Yeah. It's crazy how he keeps yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number two, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're on the floor? Ooh, uh, yeah. I, uh, uh, the the classics i do like the golf a lot um got to do that a lot during the pandemic and then um i like to work with my hands so uh we my wife and i uh have a house that is uh out in the mountains and we do like to do like a lot of diy projects and renovations to that house so that's probably the two things that i look forward to the most when i have some downtime from lacrosse awesome and, uh, you know, obviously you said you live in the mountains, but uh, what's your favorite spot to vacation? Are you kind of a beach guy, mountain guy? Um, what, what do you like doing on vacation? Yeah, definitely not a, I mean, definitely not a beach guy. I can't, I can't sit still. So like a, a all-inclusive for like four days where you like sit at the pool sound, that doesn't sound like vacation. That sounds like a nightmare. I got to <laughs> be able to, to hang out. Uh, so I, I, my, my wife and I definitely like to travel internationally and, and explore cities, I, I would say the most, like mm-hmm. whether it, we're going to Europe or South America or wherever, just somewhere where you can, you know, see a new place, see a new culture, try a new food and, uh, and kind of see everything that the rest of the world has to offer. So, um, more of a, more of a city person, I guess, on vacation. Awesome. And uh, I don't know if you do a lot of dining when you're traveling as well, but uh, what's your favorite meal? And do you prefer to dine out, cook at home or order takeout? Okay. So the first question. So my, uh, my mom is from Argentina. And so that's my, any, my, my all time, like if I, if I could have this meal every day of the week, I would, she homemade, um, it's a family recipe for empanadas that are incredible. Yeah. I actually made them last week. They're amazing. And, uh, that would be, that'd be in a number one. Uh, I do like to go out to eat, uh, especially when you're in cities and I, I live full-time in Boston. So, um, going to different restaurants, obviously there's great Italian food here, uh, good Spanish food. So, uh, I do like going out to eat and, and trying new places. Awesome. And then my final one is what's a book, TV show, or podcast that you've kind of been binging that you'd recommend? Uh, okay. So book tv show podcast podcast i uh i work i work in um and at a tech startup so i listen to i like to listen to um you know kind of more like business tech podcast so my favorite is is called the all-in podcast um that's pretty good um tv show we haven't started it yet but the new season of ozarks is out and so i think my wife and i are going to get that going um and yeah, books. I'm trying to think what I've read recently. I am my I am um my wife and I are expecting in June. So I'm reading some Congratulations. fatherly, fatherly, get ready to be a dad books um <laughs> that people keep recommending to me. So I, I gotta stop reading them though, because I'm getting a little nervous. So yeah, <laughs> that's probably it, it recently. Yeah. Congratulations. And uh yeah, Thanks. Ozark. I just started uh yesterday the new season and watched the first episode. I'm trying to like take it one at a time because I tend to binge through so things hard. so quickly and I then know. it's just like it's over. So um luckily that's kind of that been show, me and my wife what we've been doing. <laughs> and that show is like stress inducing because oh yeah. You, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, we, we, what we did last night is we watched the first episode and then we watched, we always watch an episode of new girl. Cause we tend to watch these stress inducing shows and they're like, yeah. we can't go to bed like that. So, so watch new girl, uh, yeah. even though we've seen it a bunch of times and that'll kind of be the, the way we wrap up the there night. But, uh, smart, smart. Yeah. 
But that wraps up the five and five. I always like to end on one final question. And that is, what is some advice you have for a young uh, player looking to play pro lacrosse one day? I know you mentioned, you know, learning how to string your own sticks, but do you have any other advice for a young player? Uh, so I, I, I guess kind of two points. Num- number one is play more than one sport. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy right now what, what is happening in lacrosse with, with, you know, club programs and how often kids are playing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's more detrimental than positive. Um, especially when you get to your, you know, formidable, like recruiting years, you know, you're pretty much playing year round. Um, mm-hmm. I've played hockey and lacrosse growing up. I'm a good lacrosse player because I played hockey. I, I, I really believe that understanding space, understanding, um, you know, how, how to, how to move your upper body. So I think that's really, really important. Whatever sport it is, there's no right sport. Lacrosse is so translatable to so many. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the second thing is in this environment with kids, especially with college, um, people get so hung up on division and, and all of those things. Um, no one cares about that at the, at the next level. Um, mm-hmm. Will you going to Duke and having a successful career there translate to maybe some more opportunities at the next level? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if you can play, you can play. And so mm-hmm. when you're, when you're selecting your college or thinking about what, what to do, make sure you're, you're doing it from the right place and not just doing it because of the prestige of the university that you're trying to, to, to play at. Um, if there's a great division three or division two school with a fantastic education that you can go into and, and play at, um, it's not going to affect you at the next level mm-hmm. if you're putting the work in. So uh, it's a common misconception, and there's there's plenty of cases across both leagues where you can you can prove that wrong. Absolutely, I think that's some great advice, especially for our young mm-hmm. listeners. Well, Jordan, we re- really appreciate you hopping on. Um, again, best of luck with the Swarm this current season and with the Chrome coming up this summer. Thanks, Hutton. Appreciate it, man. All right, so we appreciate Jordan hopping on. As I mentioned, his Swarm team pulled up a pretty good victory over the Nighthawks despite having multiple players on code protocol. That's kind of why I like the Nighthawks in this game. I thought that, you know, the addition of Shane Jackson, Ethan Riggs, and Jeff Henrik on the COVID protocol list as a few, well as a few others was going to be detrimental to this swarm team. It proved to not be. They went up on a 5-1 run to start the game and never kind of looked back from there. The game ended up finishing at 12-8, but 10 different goal scorers, as I mentioned, in this game, Lyle Thompson, only one goal, five assists though. So when he's not scoring goals, he's uh, getting it done on the other areas of the floor, whether it's, you know, loose balls or assists. So um, good win for the swarm. They're now two and three. That was a, a you know, must win for them. I think uh, at this stage in the season, you know, it's still very early, but um, they got to stay pace with some of these other East teams and the Nighthawks, I think, you know, a little bit of rust after not playing for so long. I thought the Nighthawks were going to be better this year. After these two games this weekend, I don't think I can really, you know, trust them. I just think they're still a few, you know, years maybe away from being a true playoff contender. They definitely look better this year. So give them credit. Stuck with the swarm. I think fatigue really set in against this Wings team in the second game of their doubleheader this weekend. Um, but thoughts on, on the Nighthawks and dropping two in a weekend that, uh, you know, they really could have used at least one of these wins. Um, you know, tough to get to play back-to-back games. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Nighthawks? Are, are they kind of more bottom of the barrel for you now after seeing them in these last two games? Yeah, as much as they're in terms of, yeah, as much as they had a tough weekend, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say they're out of it just yet, right? I mean, we have a couple teams uh, in the East uh, that are over 500 in the Bandits, Thunderbirds, and Wings. Uh, and then everyone else is either, under 500 or at 500. So um, it was certainly a tough weekend. And I, I think, uh, like you said, that it may be a year or so away, um, but they have, they have some uh, competitors on that squad. Uh, and as we've seen uh, in weeks past, they, they've played teams really tough. So um, I'm not fully out on, on the Nighthawks uh, just yet, uh, but certainly was a tough weekend for them. Yeah. And it's still an early season, so I'm not trying to you know be doom and gloom so early. You know, if you look at the records, they have the same record as the Swarm and the Rock. I just think the Swarm and the Rock are better teams, Um, you know, and I think the quality of wins, you know, they beat the Riptide, you know, who just got their first win, which we'll talk about, you know, shortly after this. Um, And then their other win was against the Firewolves, which was a a pretty, you know, big win. But I I still, you know, I don't know 
what to think of them. You know, maybe it's just a little bit of a case of being really, really rusty and then having to play, you know, back to back. I mean, the wings are, that's a tough opponent to play on short rest. So, you know, give them credit. Um, but this wings team, um, you know, got off kind of, again, to kind of a slow start. Um, I think that's kind of been the trend for this team. Um, you know, it just this whole season, it's just slow starts, but they poured it on late and they end up uh, going up 18 to 10 when all was said and done. Um, you know, at one point, this game was seven to four Rochester. Uh, and then after that, you know, Blaze Reardon had a goal to end the second quarter. And in the second half, it was all wings. Um, so they end up winning 18 to 10, a resounding victory for them. Again, I think the Rochester Nighthawks just ran out of steam. You know, they played a game the night prior, had to travel from Rochester down to Philly. Uh, tough to do. So um, give the Wings credit. They played at 7 p.m. on Saturday and then had another home game on Sunday at 4 p.m. against a hungry Riptide team. And I thought this was the best spot for the Riptide. Um, I actually you know, put some money on this one, both them at plus two and a half and sprinkled a little bit on the money line. They pull out the victory 13 to 12. It was a close one, but the Riptide get that first victory under their belt this season. Congrats to coach Dan Lattisor for his first victory as a head coach with this Riptide team. Um, they came out hot. It was very similar, I think, to the last game that they played the Wings. But then again, short rest kind of reared its ugly head for this Wings team. Um, you know, they, they kept pace and they almost came back towards the end, but it just wasn't enough um, when all was said and done and give Steve Orleman credit too for hanging in there in net. Uh, but thoughts on the Wings? You know, do you chalk this up as a win going one and one on a, a weekend where they had to play back-to-back -back games? We've been critical of them kind of uh, not being able to put teams away. And, and this one, man, they, they, they certainly, in the first game of the weekend against the Nighthawks, they certainly put them away in the second half, right? Um, man, I, I want to know what, what – I want what they're having uh, in the locker room and at halftime, right? I think they got some of Mike's magic stuff or something like that uh, to after, after coming out so hot in the second half. So, uh, and it's always tough uh, to come out of a back-to-back, -back. Um, but they play the Riptide tough, like you said. And uh, obviously I don't think, uh, the guys in the locker room or coach day would say they're happy with it just because um, they have the expectation of going out and winning every day but um, to lose uh, by one goal uh, in a back-to-back -back after being really dominant in the first game you have to think uh, that they're somewhat happy with, with how the weekend turned out and still third uh, in that east but every again every win uh, is going to be important when it comes to that playoff seeding down the line but I certainly think they're a contender still um, and th their big guys uh, came out to play in both both games right you know Kevin Crowley doing his thing um then McIntosh is continuing uh to prove why um that was a great trade for for coach day to bring him in so um overall good weekend for the wings um but uh, obviously they'd like to have pulled that second one out against the riptide yeah I, I'm with you I, I still think they're a contender and they're um you know in a good spot despite you know being four and three um, you know, they have the second most wins in this East, uh, you know, behind only the bandits who are undefeated at four and oh, um, and they played the most games out of anybody so far. So to be four and three, you know, be above 500, um, through seven games. I think anybody would take that right now. Um, you know, it's a long season, it's a marathon of a season. So I think they're feeling pretty good right now where they're at. Uh, luckily they won't have to play back to back this weekend. No team will, but we get to see all 14 teams in action on Saturday, Adam, um, Record for the NLL, obviously, as they add more teams, there's going to be more opportunities for games, but seven games on Saturday. So no Friday night lacrosse, which is a little bit disappointing, but we get all games on Saturday. Um, talk about marathons. It's going to be a marathon of a, a weekend there. And we also get some college lacrosse on there too. So just to point out, again, we like to touch on a little bit of the betting side of things. If you want, you know, full in-depth breakdown of betting, you want to listen to Bet on Lacrosse, hosted by Dan Newbert. But you get to bet on seven NLL games on Saturday, plus the Bellarmine Mercer game, if you really want to, uh, in certain states. Now, I'm not able to get NLL line still in New Jersey. Um, have to go to PA or Virginia for that, which I've done a few times, which was, has been nice, you know, traveling there. Um, but as for college lacrosse, I do get those in New Jersey. So depending on your state, you might be able to bet on some college lacrosse games and NLL games this weekend. Uh, and if you are, congratulations to you. I only have college lacrosse, so maybe I will, you know, be placing some money on that Mercer-Bellarmine game. I don't know. I, I don't want to get, you know, off into a hole just to start, but um, in terms of NLL games, yeah, you have seven games. DraftKings now has lines up, so you can bet on BetMGM, DraftKings, Caesars if you're in the U.S., CoolBet, or Sports Interaction if you're in Canada. So again, we always like promoting, um, you know, sports betting. I do work for a sports betting media company, so um, it's kind of 
comes with the territory. But in terms of the X's and O's of this game, Adam, what is kind of your game you're looking forward to the most uh, this upcoming weekend? Yeah, my matchup of the week is a rematch up that we've already seen this season. Uh, Wings and Swarm, they both had solid weekends last week. They both played each other so close the last three times these squads have played. They've been one goal game, so uh, it's definitely going to be a competitive matchup and one to watch. Yeah, so with these one goal games, if you're betting on this game uh, right now, the Swarm are plus one and a half. So might be advantageous to take the team that's getting the plus one and a half on uh, this one. Um, but yeah, this is one of my games to watch this weekend, seven o'clock start. Um, the second game, though, that's my favorite on my radar is another rematch it's between the Warriors and the Mammoth. Um, these teams played each other tight, got off to one of the fastest starts in NLL history. Lots of goals in that game. Mammoth came away with the victory after coming from behind. Obviously, we talked to Ryan Lee last week and they're excited to you know face off against this team again. This time it's in the Loud House in Denver. So it's going to be a tough environment for the Warriors to play, but They'll hopefully have some people back um, that they were missing from COVID protocol in the previous game. So I expect another close tight one, uh, but let's get into our game picks. I'm going with the rock against the Nighthawks to start off the weekend. Um, I still like the wings to win straight up uh, in this Georgia swarm matchup. I think the bandits are going to continue to roll. So I'll take them over the riptide taking the Thunderbirds to stay undefeated against the firewolves. Um, I actually like Panther city against Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's a tough place to play, but I think Panther city is starting to kind of find their groove. Uh, where, you know, the rush, I'm still not sure what to make of them. Um, I'm going Mammoth at home against the Warriors. I think it's going to be tight. Still got to ride the Mammoth, I think, right now. And then I'm going San Diego Seals over the Calgary Roughnecks. Obviously, they won in their previous matchup in Dane Doby's homecoming, expecting similar fireworks in that game this weekend. What are your game picks this week, Adam? Yeah, I think we're we're pretty similar other than a few. I'm going Rock, Wings, Bandits. I'm taking Firewolves against the, the Thunderbirds. I know uh, the Thunderbirds are obviously uh, on a tear right now, uh, but I think the Firewolves are, are a really competitive team, and uh, I think they bring the juice this weekend. Uh, I'm going Rush as well, so those are kind of uh, two, two that we, we waver on, and I'm going Warriors in that matchup of the week for you, uh, and then ending on a similar one with the Seals. So that's my game picks for the week. Awesome. Yeah. So pretty similar across the board. I'm leading you a little bit, I think three games ahead of you. So we're, we're pretty tight. It's a long season still. Um, but that's where we are right now in the standings. I, I still owe you a cheesesteak too. We got to hang out more um, because I still <laughs> got to pay for that. Um, so hopefully I'm not two cheesesteaks in the hole by the end of this NLL season, but those are our game picks. Exciting weekend. Most games in NLL history on one day and Saturday. Um, you know, I'm sure that record will be broken in a few years, we'll get Las Vegas next year and then a few more teams, hopefully, in the coming season. So, you know, we're just going to continue to get more NLL games. But those are our thoughts. We appreciate uh, Jordan McIntosh coming on the show. We're going to have another Twitter space this week on Friday. So be sure to tune into that on Twitter. Um, and be sure to leave a five-star review if you enjoy this episode, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But as always, we appreciate Jordan McIntosh coming on as our guest. And we appreciate you guys as listeners for tuning in to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk.